Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mailings and Screens, a new Irish TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. We're still abiding by California shelter-in-place laws and social distancing in our apartments. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Quibi again and the launch of Peacock. Always. What are we talking about, second? <laughs> <laughs> Quibi, Peacock, other made-up words, Snowpiercer, the piercer of snow. <laughs> As always, we'll be talking about Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that tracks. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest, in quotes, news items from this past week. Guys, we talked a bunch about Quibi last week, but there was an announcement stating their numbers, but also stating something that I think we could all agree to, that at some point, they want to be able to cast Quibi onto their televisions. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I shouldn't laugh at that. I shouldn't laugh at that. That's that's a legitimate idea they had 15 years ago. Like, I, like what do they want? Like, they're trying to tell us that, oh, well... This was always the plan. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. You didn't want people to watch Quick Bites on their TV. Like, you didn't. You wanted to watch them on the phone so they could change the aspect ratio. And, and like, so they could they get a, the Quick Bites in between meetings or whatever. No, you're lying. Just say, the, oh, hey, we didn't foresee the global pandemic. The and official our product quote. sucks. Yeah. The official Hit me with a quote. quote. Hit me with a quote, Ben. Uh, speaking to CNBC... Meg Whitman said, we had always planned to be able to cast to your TV, so we're going to see if we can accelerate that in the engineering roadmap. We'll eventually get there, but it was never a part of the launch. If we had known about COVID, maybe it would have been. So what she's saying is that when they got popular, they were planning on you being able to watch Quick Bites on your TV, but that's, as we mentioned off mic, or before we started recording... As Leo pointed out, like that's like Netflix saying, "Oh well, we we were always planning on doing streaming, streaming television and film. We just started with the discs first. <laughs> like that's not why, why? That's they're well, just. I mean, it's not. It's it's more like Netflix saying, uh, Netflix yeah. starting with discs only and then going, right. no one wants our discs. <laughs> but well, we were always planning on being a streaming platform." No, to continue that analogy of the Netflix thing, it's that they originally treated their streaming content as a bonus. It was something that you got as a plus when you signed up for the discs. And they're like, well, that's a nice little add-on for people to have, but it's not going to be the main thing. And that's what Quibi is treating their 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 TV option as. It's like, well, nobody would really want to do this, but we'll toss it in because, you know, maybe somebody would like it instead of it being like, yeah, that's a serious flaw. People need it, especially now. When in reality, yeah. it's the biggest negative, right, Libby? Yeah. Basically, and I've spoken about this at length on this podcast last week and in print on our website <laughs> last week. 
uh, which was then aggregated on another website about Ooh. how much oh. people hate Quibi. Um, <laughs> they found it. They found their proper source. Selling advertising on this podcast. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, it's not great. And actually, the more I think about it, it's more like Quibi is coming out and saying, yeah, we have streaming. We were always planning on also offering DVDs. We just need to move that up. It's like, that's the old technology. Why didn't you have that in place first? Because that's what everyone wants instead of this thing that no one asked for. No one asked for quick bites. No one. No one. Yeah. I'm I, looking I think at all, all of you. None of you asked for this. No, nope. I think that's still the biggest problem with Quibi. <laughs> not necessarily that it can't go on TV, just that the content itself is not what people were requesting, um, especially as a standalone service. So, speaking of things no one's asking for, Peacock launches today for some Comcast, a select few Comcast subscribers yeah. will get an exclusive preview to the premium version of Peacock. Guys, do we need mm. Peacock? No. I mean, <laughs> it's got all my old nbc shows where else am i going to watch law and order svu and parks and rec and 30 rock if not for peacock so i guess a better question for me to phrase it is where does peacock sit in sort of like the pantheon of the streaming wars if you're someone who currently has hulu and netflix and doesn't extend beyond those are you going to subscribe to peacock well i think the problem facing peacock is is twofold in the sense of its timing one is that originally it was supposed to launch paired with the 2020 Olympics, the Summer Olympics. And since those have been postponed, it no longer has that as a platform. And I think that people, if they were told they could access all of the Olympic content they wanted through one specific service, that that would be very tempting because then you'd never have to keep searching through the various NBC-owned properties on cable or satellite, let alone whatever streaming feeds were still available to find whatever event you wanted to watch, you could actually have one dedicated place for it, which is uh, very nice. But they don't have that anymore. Uh, so instead, what they're launching with is a lot of kind of legacy content, Law & Order SVU, uh, old Saturday Night Lives, current NBC programming, um, and then kind of old movies that you know Universal still has rights to, like the Jurassic Park franchise and... Um, children of men uh, but that's not necessarily enough to separate it in the same sense so they're still looking for that angle in so I think the soft launch is probably a good idea it's something that comes included with your Comcast subscription um, so those people who sample it and kind of become familiar with the service can highlight whatever is working about it uh, while you know the Peacock people can continue to hone any problems before its wide launch in July. Um, but I don't know in terms of the general demand for Peacock what that'll be when they don't have any of their programs ready by July. A lot of the production shutdown has kept the adult-focused originals off the air, uh, at least you know until large-scale production resumes in Hollywood. So anybody looking for you know the Brave New World adaptation or the Saved by the Bell reboot or the new Battlestar Galactica, whatever the fuck. I mean, that's just not going to happen for a long time. So it's kind of unclear what Peacock will have at the beginning versus what it can become. For now, it's just kind of like a, 
this is NBC Universal. This is our content that we own. This is where you're going to find it going forward as everything kind of goes into its proper bins within the, the different studios. Uh, but for now, it's it's not quite the powerhouse that even HBO Max will be when it hits. Yeah, insofar as I can still, at least for now, access all of my favorite NBC shows on uh, on those uh, on Netflix, on Hulu, and on Amazon Prime. Like I, I don't see the need to add Peacock to my rotation. Um, that will obviously change considering that during this trying period of uh safer at home i have watched the entirety of the office and 30 rock twice um and if they leave my my main streaming platforms then yeah it's it's gonna be a bother and then i'm gonna have to subscribe to a new one and i don't want to subscribe to a new one just it looks like it looks like Parks and Rec's going to hit Peacock exclusively in October of this That's year. That's what I saw. The Office is 2021, and I had not yet seen a date for 30 Rock, which 30 is 30 Rock still is October 1st. 30 Rock okay. leaves Netflix October 1st. Hulu. Netflix. Hulu? Netflix. <laughs> what? I mean, it's also on Hulu. Hulu. Oh, I don't know about Hulu then. Is it possible something? Yes. You're good on 30 Rock until 2024. So, wow. That's a. Thank I God. finally found the THR article that said um, this is from in September 2019. They reported that in May, NBC, you re upped content licensing deals with Hulu through 2024 that included 30 Oops. Rock, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, another one yeah that's that seems so late for them to do that that's that's like peak that's like peacock trying to come to us and be like oh yeah we've always had peacock in the works like this has always (laughs) been planned we just moved it up we We just happened to sign this extension this contract we always knew we would have 30 rock live on hulu for four years after we launched we always knew that was going to be the way that we were going to operate peacock that was the plan that was the plan from the jump to let, let 30 Rock and Brooklyn Nine-Nine be on Hulu as well. Um, and, that, and then yeah, 2024 a, is when we really make our move. There was a shared exclusivity between Netflix and Hulu until 2017. And on October 2017 was when it moved exclusively to Hulu. And now it's locked into Hulu for the next four years. So NBCU, epic fail. watching tv thank you for asking leo <laughs> watching watching yeah, quite a bit of tv it seems and and here's and here's the main question because i think we're, we've all sort of handled our uh viewing during shelter in place a little differently but even a couple weeks ago when we were talking about hbo having a couple of its shows for free for people on hbo now everyone takes like how many people are diving into something they've never watched and how much of this is sort of like comfort viewing I still, and this is something I feel like Ben and I disagree with a lot. I mean, not disagree with, because these arguments were had long before uh, the current circumstances were unfolding. But I am I am one of those people who contend that most binge-watching is comfort-watching. Uh, more binge-watching is comfort-watching, let's say. Going back to revisit things that you either watched growing up or you 
are your favorite shows. You'll hear those people who um, watch The Office and then they just, it's always playing in the background. Um, just all of the time, every day, they have it streaming on Netflix for now. Um, but yeah, I, and, and that's, I, I think I, I talk about that a lot because that's how I use it. Uh, right now, for instance, I'm not right now, for instance, I am deep in the seasons of Great British Bake Off that I haven't seen. Um, which is very comforting, which I don't have to look at the TV um, or else it just makes me want cake, which is a sidebar we can get into later. Um, I want cake. I want cake so bad. Like Also a competition show in an era where there are no current sports happening. Exactly. It's, it's very, it's, it's very soothing. It's not very upsetting. It's really nice background noise. Um, no one's melting down. No one's getting screamed at. And so it's just it's just like white noise. It's it's watching having Great British Bake Off on in the background is exactly like sharing an office with Ben Travers. So like I think it makes sense that it's just kind of back there droning on very politely and and just it's very nice. Um so I think that's that's what's there because I can't imagine and maybe this goes for, because all of us are still working, ostensibly. And so if if we're using TV as background noise as opposed to, like, actually watching it. There are very few shows that I've sat down and actually watched during the quarantine. Um, Leo, you are doing something completely different than my just kind of mindless background noise. Yeah, I mean, it's also tough because uh, it's tough for me to have mindless television on because a lot of the stuff I do requires me to be focusing on video and audio elements whether it be podcast or video so it's just it's difficult to have a video playing while you're watching another video so my wife Abby and I have been watching West Wing since like since we started working from home but we've we've been going at a pretty slow pace we essentially watch like one during the the work week we watch one episode in the morning with breakfast and one episode at lunch and then we catch up on whatever we can either at night or on the weekends. But we're almost we're into the end of season six. So we've been making steady progress. And I think some of that was, uh, as I like to call, executive branch escapism. Here's yeah. here, here's a here's an administration that knows what they're doing. And it's it's kind of nice to watch that, even if it is fiction. That's, I think, hard fantasy at this point. But I think also uh, it's something I've never seen. I've seen season one of West Wing, I think maybe three or four times, but never worked my way past that. So the idea of watching oh, all these God. seasons of television, I, <laughs> I would just, I'm sorry. That would be really, that sounds really horrible. Like season one is good, but I, as soon, like it's getting past season one where I feel like you're fully consumed by the show. And that's when, that's when West Wing becomes West Wing. You got to get rid of a couple of those characters before it's, it's in its prime. What characters did you get rid of? Oh, who's the lady who is like Josh Lyman's love interest? Um, Amy the lady from Cutting Edge. Yeah, the actress is Moira Kelly. Oh yes, the lady. The character is Mandy Hampton. Yes, Mandy's awful. Yeah, she had to go. <laughs> the yeah. lady from the Cutting Edge. Yes, <laughs> I kind of assumed Libby was correct. I just don't know I, the Cutting Edge, <laughs> so I couldn't go with you. 
The Cutting Edge, which is on Hulu. And like it, it pains me to say these things because if there's one thing lacking in the West Wing, it's more female characters. Um, but I will say that's a huge like issue with the show throughout. And there's a ton of very gross misogyny, like soft misogyny. Like there's a scene where it's like uh, the president, Leo and Josh looking over the ladies who helped them. Like Donna, CJ, Margaret, Mrs. Landingham, and they're all like in a room. And they're like, "Aren't these these women are incredible? Aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. Thank God for women, or else we couldn't get the great things done, or whatever." It's like fucking insane. So it's tough to. It, there are moments like that that are tough to get get past. Can we make Leo watch the newsroom? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> ben loves it. <laughs> I mean, I don't see what you the will... problem is. Uh, but yeah, I'm watching West Wing. Ben, or do you just work? Is is all television work for you now? Yeah, uh, all television is work for me. Do Do you um, have any viewing that is not screeners or review? Like, are you? Is there any uh, comfort or pleasure viewing? There is, but it's it's so much less than it used to be, and I can't I can't really do it with TV anymore because it's not that all television feels like work. I still get a lot of enjoyment out of television, but um, I know that if I restart Friday Night Lights or if I restart Thirty Rock, if I restart The West Wing, if I restart a lot of those shows that I know and love that are very comforting to me, that's going to consume the entire day. Like I'm I'm. So slightly disciplined enough to do the work in between those things um but then like i'm i will literally be staring at a screen every waking moment of the day because i know how to fit it in while i'm doing other things uh so i don't let myself do that i i try to watch more movies because they're a complete story and they feel like more of a break um but no i've i've been i've mainly been watching stuff for work i will say that i did not need to watch hashtag black af for work i am not reviewing that show uh but i watched all eight episodes of the new kenya barris netflix original series and i'll be very curious what tambe obinson says about it uh in his review because it's 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 purposefully provocative um there's a lot of episodes that are based around a question like kenya likes to do uh, he doesn't necessarily always answer the question because there's not necessarily answers to a lot of these questions, which is kind of nice to see. And yet at the same time, this is such a blatant ripoff of Blackish, like his own show. It's it's borderline self-plagiarism. He inserts himself as the character he created for Anthony Anderson to play. So he's in the show now. Um, he is not anywhere close to as an experienced of an actor as Anthony Anderson. So he struggles to convey kind of the minor things um, like the quick little cuts and, and um, there's there, they do direct camera interviews a la like modern family in the office. Um, and some of those he has to kind of over explain to make sure, you know how he's feeling. Uh, but he creates such a curmudgeon old father character that it just kind of works that you just kind of are drawn into it anyway. Um, so there's like a weird, there's a weird system that makes each episode very watchable, even when it's extremely flawed 
in both its concept and execution. Uh, like the whole show is based around his daughter is submitting a college essay. Like she's submitting, like she's narrating and she's making a documentary about the family to submit as her college essay. It's the most cliched way into any kind of story you can imagine, especially a family story. Um, so there's a lot, of, there's a lot of flaws and yet there's a lot of um, just very compelling arcs within all of this messy thing like one of the episodes is like 47 minutes long too it's crazy so i'm just like i'm so i can't imagine making a sitcom about your life so you okay so you have your life and then you make a sitcom about your life and then you make another sitcom about your sitcom and your life that's 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 fucking inception shit like i yeah it's it's too hard i can't do it and to i don't like it to add into that libby to add another layer this is a very meta show in that he is not playing someone else he's playing himself he is playing kenya barris and he has created blackish like he created that show he watches the show in the season finale he watches like a part of an episode of blackish to learn a moral lesson about his own life and he talks about how like man i wrote what that guy said and that was really smart and i learned from it and now i can apply it to this part of my life except it's him applying it to the episode that he just wrote so it's it's a whole i mean it's a whole mindfuck of a thing i mean like um, on a certain level i respect that it- Leo was in on my conversation with Tanya Siracho today with who is the creator of Stars is Beta, which is an amazing show um, that you shall be watching in quarantine comes back uh, later this month for its third and final season. April 26th. Um, April 26th. Thank you, Leo. Uh, and I asked her some question about about something thematic and she was like, um, themes come later because you're you're reflecting life and you're writing the story like that and then as you look back at something you can see oh well this was always this was always an element this story was always something that stood for something that was always metaphorical things like that so in a sense like the kenya barris thing that you're talking about in the finale makes a lot of sense like so he wrote that blackish episode and it wasn't until you know he had the remove from it that he could that he could apply whatever he wrote to his own life. Um, but also that's fucking weird inception shit. And I don't like it. Yeah. This is very much the, I really wanted to, I like, I, we know he had a bad breakup with ABC in terms of like how he ended up at Netflix to begin with. So I feel like there was probably just leftover baggage that he needed to address. And he was just through with hiding anything because he is someone who is is very frank. Um, he talks about on the show, you know, a lot about how he just says things like they are, and it comes back to bite him. And sometimes he's wrong. A lot of times he's a bad dad. A lot of times he's bad at this and that and whatever. Um, but you can tell that he just needed to get some stuff out. And yet, like, there's there's even you know, like Blackish. He his Anthony Anderson would go to the office and sit with his work colleagues and hash out these ideas, you know, from whatever is going on in their life. That's the theme of the show. And he literally does that same thing with one of the same actors. It's just a writer's room now because he's Kenya Barris going to work on our, on a show. Um, is it Dion Cole? I, no, it's, um, 
the guy with glasses uh he's in a bunch of shit he was in the office at the end uh, nobody remembered his name it was like the running gag nelson um nelson franklin know, probably sure um but no so it's it's but they just they wanted to swear like it's there's f-bombs everywhere they wanted to have the restriction less version of blackish and blackish had a very solid foundation um and i think that some of the restrictions especially when it came to time limits worked in its favor um but there's also a layer of of seeing kind of the appeal in a show where he doesn't have to pretend like anything is anything else he can just he can just say whatever he wants to say and address whatever he wants to address um i don't know but anyway that's that's like the one thing that i've watched that wasn't for work and wasn't a movie that i remember as just no i really enjoy this i'm gonna figure out a time to fit this in guys snowpiercer (laughs) (laughs) seamless ben yeah all 10 episodes of snowpiercer are available for your viewing pleasure well it's pleasure but it's also work leo that's right i have to review it and i also have to take it very seriously as tnt's main contender for best drama this year so i mean i can't really just relax and enjoy it uh i feel like i have to set all the screens aside so there's no distractions while it's while it's rolling out um and we'll have the weekly columns of did this episode help or hurt snowpiercer's chances at the emmys uh, which will be very exciting for everybody to keep track of. Benjamin, uh, tell me why it's a big deal. Like, why is it a big deal that they sent us 10 episodes? Like, Well, I mean, the last, on our last roller coaster ride with Snowpiercer, we <laughs> were kind of on... we spoke of Snowpiercer. We were kind of on the downslope because the embargo is, the review embargo is Saturday at 9 p.m., pacific time aka sunday at 12 a.m eastern time which is just the dead of deadness like as dead as dead can be in terms of internet news uh so anything that launches then isn't going to get a lot of pickup which usually means they think the show is bad uh and they want to bury reviews but the fact that they gave us all 10 episodes shows to me that they're very confident in this program and now i've i've rethought things and though you did wisely point out uh, how this could still be a negative, that maybe they just had to get to the end of the season to give us a hook, uh, like there's going to be six bad episodes and then they figured it out and seven, eight, nine will be good enough for people. We'll give it a little bit better of a review. I think that they probably pitched a perfect game and all 10 episodes are going to be rock solid, as solid as the Snowpiercer train. And then we're going to release those reviews late saturday night people are gonna wake up sunday and see these just fawning critiques of the new best show on television um and they're gonna lose their mind and that's gonna drive an intense week of anticipation one solid week before it hits and then they'll have the biggest premiere of their channel's history i i am not ready i uh get on the snowpiercer train libby get on board yeah, I'm. I'm very. I'm very afraid that I. I slept on Snowpiercer, and now it's already too late. 
Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features ex- excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about our TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, so leave a review and let us know what you think. If it's good, we might read it on air, and if it's bad, we'll try our best to delete it from the site, or the internet. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo, reminding you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. (laughs) It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.